Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Mark, and welcome tonight. I'm glad that you're with us on Facebook this evening as we study the closing verses of 1 Peter chapter 5. I hope that you have enjoyed this series as much as I have through the first epistle of Peter. Next week, Pastor Rick is going to be speaking, and he has a unique style and way of telling stories that I know that you're going to enjoy, and I'm looking forward to being right in here Wednesday night with him and as he preaches and shares the Word of God with you. And then the week after that, I plan to go right into the book of Second Peter, the Lord willing. You know, I kind of had a flashback of a memory today. Let me readjust this chair. I had a flashback of a memory today in, oh, I would say in the early 90s. I was in a pastor's study, a friend of mine down in Macon, Georgia, and we were talking and about different books that we would love to preach upon and preach through. And of course, I was traveling at the time, and I, there was no way I was going to be able to preach through a book of the Bible without going in and just specifically spending quite a few days with the church to teach that, like in a Bible conference. But I said, you know, I want to preach through the epistles of Peter. They're just, to me, fascinating. They're comforting. They're encouraging. But they're also written to a group of people that the Apostle Peter loved so much that were willing to suffer for their faith. And so I hope that you've enjoyed going through the book of 1 Peter with me as much as I've enjoyed teaching and preaching it on, in our midweek services. And by the way, if you've just logged on, be sure and greet us. Let us know that you're out there. And uh, if this is your first time to be watching with us, I know some have told me I have watched, but I haven't really logged on to let anybody know that I was there. Uh, you can, you know, you can stay anonymous as long as you like, but please let me know that you're there. I'd love to be able to um, uh, contact you, send you an email or, or anything, you know, if you just let me know so that we can encourage you in your walk with Christ or if you have questions about Jesus Christ and, or if you have questions about Woodland Church to be able to try and answer those questions for you. You know, I'm the pastor of this church, but let me tell you something. I would not have spent 21 years of my life here with this congregation and in this community if I didn't love it very much and love these people very much. It's a wonderful community that we're a part of, but it's also a wonderful church that I get the privilege of pastoring along with a group of other pastors and board members and small group leaders here that uh, we call home, our children call home. And so I hope that you will just... Um, Consider checking us out, and once this COVID crisis is over and we can begin to worship together, and for those of you that are watching, this is not a promise, but we're hoping to be back in the sanctuary on Pentecost Sunday, the last Sunday of the month, uh, the month of May, if everything uh, is going according to what the governor's plans are. You know, I have my, my own thoughts about that, but I want my number one my number one concern is I want your children to be safe. I want you to be safe. Uh, we're going through all kinds of protocols, getting ready for reopening the facility. And if we can open in May, we'll be open at the end of May. If we have to move it to June, we'll, we'll be opening in June. We're not going to do it until we're absolutely persuaded and convinced that we can gather and worship the Lord without doing harm to anyone else at all in the facility. And so you be praying with me and you be interceding with me. I'm asking you to do that tonight. I had a friend of mine uh, just reply to me on Facebook today. He said, if we can fly on an airplane, then why can't we gather to worship in the church? And I think that's a very good question. 
But having walked with some folks that have had the COVID or the coronavirus, having walked with them and seen what's happened, I am so grateful that my family and the overwhelming majority of our church has been protected from that. But we have friends and loved ones that have suffered. We have a number of friends that have suffered and have almost died. And you don't and I don't want to be responsible for being the carrier that they get infected by and go through uh, the treatments and the near-death experiences that some of these folks have had. We had a lady in our congregation that after over 40 days in the hospital was released to inpatient care in another hospital for her therapy today. We have a very good friends, uh, several very good friends that after extended stay. So I want us to be patient. I want us to gather back as soon as possible, but I want us to be patient so that we can, when we do reassemble, we don't run the risk of having to stop services. And so let's, let's be as cooperative as much as possible. In the meantime, the ministries of this church continue strong uh, to children, to our students. As a matter of fact, Jason Foreman is speaking to our students online tonight. Uh, you just heard that on our kids page that uh, uh, there's a, a girls event going on with Tamara Kittle this evening. So ministry continues to go on full steam ahead. We haven't let up off the pedal at all. And um, so whatever is needed, we're going to be there as much as possible in the name of Jesus to serve. And Pastor Mark just mentioned to you, by the way, uh, several ways that you could give to Woodland. I hope that you will give. I hope that you'll be faithful with your tithes. God has promised, and you can count on God. You can test Him in this. God has promised that He will meet and supply your needs by His riches and glory. God has also said that He would rebuke the devourer from you. And so put God first. Put Him to the test. And why don't you right now, while you're thinking about it, use your church app or go to the website or, or make out a check and send your tithes and your offerings to, to Woodland Church and help us to have meat in the house to be able to share. We want to be a house of bread, but we also want to be a house of prayer as well. So I thank you for your faithfulness. I just want to say thanks to all of you. You have encouraged me as your pastor with your faithfulness, and we have not had to slow down at all. And I've not had to write a missionary and say, I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to help because ministry continues to go forward because of your faithful generosity. And again, if you're watching anonymously tonight or, you know, we've never met and you want to give, please feel free to give. You don't, please don't feel any pressure to give. But if you would like to give, and you can give cheerfully this evening, then do what Pastor Mark suggested. You can text 77977 and keyword Woodland Church, or you can go online to woodland.church, and there you can give. It's just www.woodland.church, no.net, no.com, or you can uh, go to the website and give there. There's just numerous ways that you can do it, or you can mail it in. So thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your tithes and offerings. Well, I've entitled tonight's message, Goodbye for Now, because Peter is going to write another epistle to these folks. And as you know, we've already looked at it very carefully that the church was suffering. One of the things that encourages me when I look at the life of the Apostle Peter, when I look at the life of the Apostle Paul, or any other of these great biblical leaders, take Moses, for example, they never led by a poll. They never led by a consensus. They heard from the Lord. If Moses had taken a poll, the children of Israel would have never left the land of Egypt. If Moses had taken a poll in the wilderness, you know, things would have turned out quite differently. 
Winston Churchill, in addressing Parliament one time, said if they led by polls, there would no longer be a British nation. You know, as leaders, we want to keep our ears to the ground. We want to hear from folks, but it's my job as a preacher of the Word of God to tell you and to declare to you what the Word of the Lord says and then teach you, hopefully, in a way that uh, you can remember and you can apply to your life so that you might live a, a godly life. And as Peter is writing to this suffering church, <clears throat> he's coming with the word of the Lord. And so tonight, I pray that you'll be like the Bereans. I pray that you will be like, and the Bereans were a group of people that when they heard the gospel preached, they went back to the word and they studied it to see if those things were so. And I pray that you'll be a careful student of the word of the Lord this evening. So let's read tonight from 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 12. And I want to stand just out of respect and reverence for the for the scriptures that God has given us. I have written, Peter, I have written and sent this short letter to you with the help of Silas, whom I commend to you as a faithful brother. My purpose in writing is to encourage you and to assure you that what you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in this grace. Your sister church here in Babylon, which is probably symbolic for the city of Rome, your sister church in Babylon sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. That would be John Mark. Greet each other with a kiss of love. Peace would be with all of you who are in Christ. So join me right now, and let's pray together. Father, thank you for the Scriptures. Thank you that, Lord, they are life and health to all of our flesh. Thank you, Lord, that they are, they are a guiding light to us and to the ways that we should walk. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that as we read your word and apply your word, that, God, we can live in freedom, that we can live with confidence, and we can live boldly. And so in the next few minutes, as we study these passages together and sum up what we've learned so far in the book of 1 Peter, I ask you, Lord, to give us ears to listen carefully with, give us eyes to read it, and that are open, Lord. And may I make, as Charles Spurgeon said, a beeline to Jesus as we go through these passages tonight. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen and amen. You know, preaching is one of those things that sometimes when you, you bring the word of the Lord and you apply the scriptures, that you look at it and it's not the popular thing to say. It's not the politically correct thing to say. You know, I think of people who, like Samaritan's Purse, who went to New York City and built a hospital to serve coronavirus patients. They served almost 200 patients, treated them, housed them, took care of them while they were in New York City. And yet, because of their evangelical stand for faith in Christ, they received a lot of ridicule from their enemies. However, it's my understanding, after reading the paper, the city themselves welcomed them. The hospitals welcomed them. The healthcare professionals welcomed them. As a matter of fact, I was reading this as well, that folks were bringing meals and that the Samaritan's Purse staff never had to buy a single meal because the citizens of New York were bringing food to them every day to provide for their needs while they were there on the ground ministering. One thing that I've learned is there will always be people that oppose the preaching of the gospel of Christ. I don't hate them. I don't dislike them. Sometimes I realize that they have an agenda. I don't mind that people disagree with me, but I really struggle when people try to misconstrue or misrepresent what the Word of the Lord says. And so Peter, without taking a poll, Peter, without trying to get his ear to the ground to find out what was popular to say, 
Peter preached the Word of God. Moses brought the Word of God. The Apostle Paul brought the Word of God. And, of course, Jesus brought the Word of God. And when perfect love came and preached His message, people came and they didn't like what He said, so they decided to crucify Him. Peter will end up being crucified. When we talk and we read these epistles, we need to keep in mind that these epistles and the Scriptures they were being written to people that were suffering because of their faith and their belief in the name of Jesus. Now, the speaker of the, of the city council, or whatever he's called in New York City, may have said that Samaritan's Purse doesn't belong here. Samaritan's Purse, we don't want them here. But thank God it's not the politicians that have the last word when it comes to the word of the Lord. Thank God that we live in a nation, too, that allows us not only the freedom of speech and the freedom of religion, but also allows us to have the freedom to serve. So during this COVID crisis, I have been moved, I have been impressed by the number of praying physicians, praying doctors, praying politicians that I've had the privilege of speaking with and talking to. People of faith, and I don't want you to know that it may sound like sometimes you're in the minority if you're a evangelical believer. It may sound like you're in the minority. If you're a spirit-filled believer, you are not in the minority. There are a lot of people who may not have your boldness or may not have your willingness to speak up and speak out, but there are a lot of people of faith out there that are serving right on the front lines. It's never been our desire at Woodland to try and push religion or to push Jesus down anybody's throat. That's not how the gospel is preached. Jesus just simply came and loved people, loved lost people. He loved his enemies, and he shared with them what the word of the Lord says. And so that's what we as believers do, which leads me to what I see him saying here as he wraps up these last, in these last few words, as he wraps this up, we need friends and we need partners in the body of Christ. I need close friends. I need good friends. I am thankful for the friends that God has blessed me with, the friends that I get to do life with, the friends who pray with me, the friends that not only ask me to pray for them, but the people who call and invest into my life to want to know how, I, how they can pray for me as well. The people who not only see what they can get from me, but the people who want to pour back into my life as well. Jesus gave us a really great way to measure friendship when He said in John 15 and verse 13, greater love has no one than this to lay down His life for His friends. And so to put it rather crudely, looking at what Jesus says, you know, friendship is measured by what I'm willing to do for you. Friendship is measured by what I'm willing to do for you. You may want to write that down because that's not a fill-in in your outline, but friendship is not just sharing a cup of coffee together, but friendship is also that part of, the, of our lives where we know who our real friends are because we know we can call upon them. Take, for instance, if my car was to break down out on a rural road at night, there are men that I know that I could pick up the phone and call and say, hey, it's late at night, I'm trying to get home, it's raining, would you come and help me? And they would say, yes, pastor, I will be there right away. They're friends because they're willing to do whatever it takes to come out and help. Jesus used this as the standard of friendship, a friend that was willing to lay down his life. Friends don't avoid you. Now, we all have people, let's be honest, we all have people in our lives that when we're busy, when we're in a hurry and we've got a lot to do, 
that if we see them, we try to avoid them because we know they're going to want to talk for a while and we really don't have time to stop and talk. So you may put a newspaper in front of your face if you're in a Starbucks or you may duck into another store if you're in a mall because it's not that you don't like this person. It's not that you not even count this person as a friend, but they're not a close friend because when you see a close friend, it doesn't matter how busy you are. You want to stop what you're doing. You, you put the project aside. You lay down your busy schedule because you want to catch up and spend time with them. And that's kind of what threw people with Jesus is because Jesus would stop and he would minister to people even though he was on a tight and a busy schedule. And the proof of God's friendship is what God did for us in Christ. You know, if we were all here in the service right now, I probably wouldn't be talking this fast because you would be agreeing with me. You would be, some of you would be clapping your hands to give God the glory because the proof of, us, of God's friendship to us is in that He sent His only begotten Son to die for our sins and He went to Calvary and there was crucified and shed His blood to atone for our sins. And so, Jesus proves his friendship by dying for us, as he says in John 15. God proves his friendship by sending his son. But listen to this, and I don't want you to miss it. Unlike the busy person that I might do, holding up a newspaper if I know I've got a project to get done, to someone that I'm not really close with, and I know they just like to talk a lot, Jesus always stops and listens when we pray. When you stop to pray, when you call out to God in one of those telegraph prayers, or maybe you're driving down the road and you just think of someone that needs prayer, or you think of something that's troubling you, and you, you cry out to the Lord. God stops and He listens to you. And because He's God, the whole world can keep going. Because He's God, the planets stay in order. Because He's God, He can listen to all of us. You and I aren't God, and that's why we sometimes avoid those people who stop us when we're real busy, that we're not as close to as we are to some people. Now, unless that, in case that bothers you, let me remind you that Jesus had the multitudes, Jesus had the 70, Jesus had the 12, Jesus had the three that were very close to Him, and then Jesus had the one very, very close friend. So we all have those kinds of friends in our lives. You know, I have a vase in my study. I wish I'd have brought it out here tonight to show you. I have a vase in my study that is from the office of Pastor Mark Buntain when Pastor Mark was alive and pastoring in Calcutta, India. I had the privilege a number of years ago of preaching in the great Calcutta church there, speaking at the uh, school of nursing and also speaking uh, to the children in their schools. And one day, I just asked to see, because they have it left preserved, I asked to see Pastor Mark's office. And the man who took me to see Pastor Mark's office had come to know Jesus Christ because he hid around a corner because he heard Pastor Mark Buntain praying for him. So he was able to secure a key and take me on a tour of his office. And then I asked for one other great privilege. I, I said, do you mind leaving me, if it's okay, do you mind leaving me here alone and Pastor Buntain's office, so I can just spend some time in prayer. And they gave me 30 minutes, and I knelt in that study, and I prayed, and I sought the Lord, and I, I, I wanted to have the compassion. I wanted to have the burden, the prayer life. I wanted to just, just to touch God that day in the same place where I knew that Pastor Buntain had prayed so often. 
Well, that might not touch your heart, but even telling you now, I'm very emotional just remembering being able to spend that half an hour in prayer in what for me was a sacred place. But before I left to come, ho- to come home, I got to have dinner with Pastor Buntain's widow, who's spoken for her, who's preached for us here at Woodland Church. Her name is Hulda. And Hulda brought to me a vase that was on the desk of Pastor Buntain's, in Pastor Buntain's office. And she had wrapped it up for me. And she said, don't open this till you get home, but I have a gift for you. And there was a little card and a letter that she had written to me in there of why she wanted me to have that. And it was because I had requested to spend time in prayer in there. And friends, I want you to know, God is never too busy. God is never too busy to hear you pray. And every single time I look at that vase in my office, and it sits on top of my dad's Bible, it sits on top of a little table that my, my wife and I used for communion when we were married over 40 years ago. Every time I look at that vase, I'm reminded of God's amazing grace and His love for me and that He stopped to listen to me pray. God is the best friend I have. Jesus Christ is the best friend I have. And He's the best friend you have. And friends, if you don't know Him yet, if you haven't given your heart to Jesus Christ yet, Please don't listen to the people who try to destroy your faith in God. There's a reason that you're listening to this this message tonight on Facebook. There's a reason you've stopped whatever you're doing and you're watching and you're listening and you haven't shut it off because Christ has arrested your heart. He loves you and He cares for you. A philosopher wrote a book. His name is Alexander Nehemiah. He's a professor of philosophy at Princeton. And the title of his book is On Friendship. And he says this about friendship. He says, it's easier to say what friendship is not, and foremost, it is not instrumental. Foremost, it is not instrumental. And the way he defines friendship is by trying to point all the things out that friendship is not. But then he makes this beautiful, beautiful point when he says, friendship is more like beauty or art, which is appreciated for its own sake. Friendship is more like beauty or art. It's appreciated for its own sake. I am so grateful for my friend in Christ. I am so grateful for my friends in the body of Christ. I am so grateful for my partners in Christ, for my prayer partners, for those of you that do ministry with me here at Life. I am so grateful. So Paul and Silas, they have ministered together along with John Mark. John Mark was one who had failed. John Mark was one that uh, the Apostle Paul said that, you know, he wasn't going to take him back on a missionary journey with him. But that great son of encouragement, Barnabas, he took him and gave him another chance. And Barnabas, excuse me, because of Barnabas' mentorship in his life and his discipleship in life, the Apostle Paul would later write about, bring John Mark for he is useful to me. And there he is with the Apostle Peter and, and Silas as they're ministering together to this suffering church, risking their very own lives. And then Jesus will use John Mark to give us the gospel of Mark. And guess who we believe uh, gave, dictated the gospel of Mark to John Mark? Well, it was none other than the Apostle Peter. So, friends, we need, hallelujah, we need friends, we need partners in Christ that we can do life together with. Let's look at that one more time. I have written and sent this short letter to you With the help of Silas, whom I commend to you as a faithful brother, 
And my purpose in writing is to encourage you and to assure you that what you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in this grace. Well, the second thing I want you to see tonight is we're to greet one another with love. We're to greet one another with love. In February of 1989, Becky and I had the privilege of being a part of a, of a state youth director's meeting in Springfield, Missouri. And at that time, the fellowship that we're part of, the Assemblies of God, was transitioning from a, a youth ministry called Teen Talent to a youth ministry that we now call Fine Arts. And of course, those of you who worship with us at Woodland, uh, you know exactly what Fine Arts is. Well, at that time in Fine Arts, you just had a clear first, second, and third place winner. They went on to the regionals, and then whoever won at the regionals went on to the nationals, and then there was a clear first, second, third place nationals, and that's what you ended up with. You ended up with just these very select group of people. Well, it became apparent that we were not really raising up the kind of ministers and the ministries that all of us are called to have. And so there was a massive transition to what we call fine arts. And fine arts has grown to tens of thousands of students participating annually in this ministry where we help young people discover their talents, we help them develop their talents, and we help them display their talents for the glory of God. I'm so glad that we got in on the ground level of that. I'm so glad that we, that Becky and I both grew up being a part of a, well, she grew up being a part of a ministry called Teen Talent. I was a part of a ministry called Bible Quiz. I didn't have the, mostly it was all singing or playing an instrument, and I wasn't able to do any one of those things. I did play the drums, but they were not accepted in church at that time. I'm glad they are now because I love percussion. But the challenge was we wanted to encourage students to grow in ministry. Now, these students, they would be judged. These students would be encouraged. These students would still be able to form and move ahead with their ministries. But they were not being celebrated for being first, second, or third. They were being celebrated because they were discovering, developing, and willing to display their ministries for the glory of God. Let me tell you what I like about that. Because all of the A students always get the attention. All of the star athletes always get all of the attention. And I'm not saying that's wrong. These students that work hard and have a, above a 4.0, they should be celebrated. These athletes that perform well and get their scholarships, I celebrate with them. But you know there's a lot more of the guys and gals that are above average, average, or even below average. There's a lot more of them out there. And as a Harvard business study showed one time, we're primarily led by C students, not by the star athletes and the star talents and the star scholars. That's not to take away anything from them, but it's to say to you, don't let anybody undersell, cause you to undersell who you are. God created you, and the possibilities in your life are unlimited. Now, the possibilities of my life will probably never equal what Charles Spurgeon was able to do. The possibilities of my life will probably never be able to equal what somebody like Rick Warren has, has been able to do. But the possibilities of my life, they are far from being limited. They are so far from being limited that everything that I've been told I wasn't able to do, I've been more than able to do successfully and fruitfully. And by the way, I'm still growing each day and I'm still learning if, if anything, this COVID-19 crisis 
has taught me so much more about media ministry and being involved and reaching out like this. You see, performance matters, and all of us need to know that we can perform. And so, in the body of Christ, we celebrate not just the gifts that are public gifts like my ministry on stage or the musicians on stage, but Paul teaches us in the book of 1 Corinthians that those members of the body of Christ that don't get as much attention, for instance, there's Wayne Kittle right now sitting behind a computer and three monitors. He's waving at me, so he's waving at you as well. You know, you can't see Wayne, but without Wayne, this wouldn't be happening tonight. And then there are people who come in, and they have worked here at the church today. As a matter of fact, there's one of our volunteers that's working uh, back tonight that you, you won't ever see, but they're making Woodland happen. And so what I want to point out to you is that when we gather as the body of Christ, we don't gather to celebrate the people who get the most attention. We gather to celebrate Jesus, but we gather to greet one another in love. Matter of fact, listen to what the Apostle Peter wrote here. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 14, greet each other with a kiss of love. Peace be with all of you who are in Christ. Now think about that for just a moment. Greet each other with a kiss of love. That doesn't mean we come up and kiss each other on the lips. That doesn't even mean that you've got to start kissing people on the cheek. You know, I, I was preaching in Europe and, and South America my first time going there, and I was just stunned at how people would just kiss you on both cheeks. And when I ask about that, it's cultural, but it comes right out of this, of the church's teachings on greeting one another with a kiss of love. Now, I did preach in a in a, in a Russian congregation, and there they wanted to kiss you on the lips, and I just, you know, I guess I just wasn't ready for that, and so I declined, and um, fortunately, everybody understood, and nobody was offended with me, and I was able to continue doing ministry there, but, you know, I don't think what this is saying is we need to do away with our handshakes, or we need to do away with our hugs once we're able to do that safely again. But what we do need to do is to be sure that everybody feels valued, that everybody is known, everybody is noticed, everybody is loved. Everybody walks into this church with two questions on their forehead. Will you love me and will you accept me? And if you go to Woodland, you know that. Will you love me? Will you accept me? Red, yellow, black, or white, whatever nationality you're from, wherever you're from, whatever state of life you find yourself in, you matter to Christ and you matter to the body of Christ. And so when I hear about churches that are exclusive, I think about what James says, of how that some churches try to honor the rich above the poor. In this congregation, everybody matters. But when it comes to ministry, we plug people in according to their talents and according to their giftings and according to the spiritual gifts that God has given them. And so Everybody being loved and everybody being mattered and everybody being gifted doesn't mean everybody's equipped to do the same thing. If you were to put me behind these three monitors on that computer that uh, Wayne Kittle is working on tonight, this telecast or this, what do we call this, live stream would not be happening right now. You know, if you were to put me behind the keyboards, the praise and worship wouldn't be happening right now. If you were to ask me to build something, then, you know, it, wouldn't be, it would never be safe to inhabit because it's not my gifting. So we each work in the areas of gifting that God has given us. Well, let's look at our final one tonight. As he writes these last few verses, these are the things that just come to heart 
and summing up the whole book of 1 Peter. Peter's saying, remain faithful to Jesus Christ in spite of, and that blank is there deliberately. You write it in. For this church, it was suffering. But you write it in, in spite of your success, in spite of your prosperity, in spite of your marriage problems, in spite of your, of your misunderstanding, in spite of your hurt, in spite of your pain, in spite of your sickness, or your illness. There have been times in my life, and I promise you, if you follow Christ long enough, there will be times in your life, there have been times in my life where I've had to go somewhere and get on my knees and say, Father, no matter what happens, I am not going to stop serving you. No matter what happens, I'm not going to give up my hope in Christ. Because God allows us all to go through those times. They, they develop our character. They develop our strength. It's what Peter has been writing about in this entire first epistle. I prayed tonight with a pastor who's going through cancer treatments. And, and, and as I prayed with him, I found myself praying things I had never prayed before in my life for him. It was like the Holy Spirit was dropping this into my life as he, as he asked me to pray with him. And the Holy Spirit was birthing that prayer that when he comes through this time, he is going to be, he's going to have the character of perseverance developed in him. He's going to have a fresh anointing on his life for what God has called him to do. The story that he's going to have is going to be powerful. The fruitfulness that he's going to have is going to be increased because God has trusted him with the storm. And if you're going through a personal storm right now, and as a nation we're going through a storm, as a church we're going through a storm because we can't gather together, and we will be gathering together. We will be back in this sanctuary meeting together and worshiping the Lord. And right now it's challenging and difficult. I miss you. But no matter what happens, we remain faithful to Christ. We remain faithful in worship. We remain faithful in prayer. We may remain faithful in listening to God and studying His Word. We remain faithful in sharing our faith with other people. We remain faithful in serving. We remain faithful to our wives and to our children. We remain faithful in our stewardship. Friends, no matter what you're going through, always remain faithful. Occasionally, I will meet that person that God didn't answer their prayer the way they wanted Him to, and then they quit serving God Jesus talks about those people. They're planted in rocky soil, or they're planted in shallow soil. And when the inevitable trials of life come along, it chokes out the gospel. It chokes out the good news. And maybe they let success, or they let bitterness, or they let hurt cause them to lose out with God. Listen again to the word of the Lord. I have written and sent this short letter to you. My purpose in writing is to encourage you and assure you, listen, and assure you that what you're experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in this grace. And friends, I'm telling you, I could not have preached this point the way I'm preaching this point tonight if we as a congregation had not been walking through this COVID-19 crisis together. I could have told you personal stories. I could have told you personal applications. I could have told you how to apply it and other people that applied it. But here we are as a church going through this time together. It's the grace of God that is allowing us to go through this time together. And God's grace, God giving us what we don't deserve, God will give us everything that we need. God will give us everything that we need to go through this time 
and to come through it on the other side victoriously and rejoicing. Can you look, if you're watching this with somebody or if you're watching it by yourself, just say, come on, victory. God is going to pull us through this time. So as we wrap it up, and before I give you the growth work here, and the growth work tonight I've just simply entitled How, is God calls us to live responsibly in this world as responsible Christians, responsible citizens, responsible parents, responsible spouses. God calls us to live honorably in our society. I'm so thankful for the people with a good reputation at this church. I'm so thankful for people who have a good name in this church. And I'm so thankful for you that even if you don't have a good name tonight, God can turn your life around. And God can change your reputation because there are people in this congregation that are not what they used to be because of the amazing grace of God. And if you're listening online and you're one of those people, just simply type in the word, God gave me grace. God gave me grace. Be bold about it. Some of you have some of the most amazing and incredible stories out there. I meet people once in a while that will ask me, for instance, about Mark Wilson, one of our guitar players, and they say, you just don't know who he used to be and what God has done in his life. Or when I talk about, and I normally don't call people's names out since we're on a public site, but another man in our church that was a football coach and played football for a professional football team, people come to me and say, you should have seen what he used to be. And I could go on and on of how God in his amazing grace changes people's lives. And I had the privilege this week of talking to someone. Over, we, we were doing a, a, a Skype call, and I just had the privilege of being able to say to them, God can change your life. God can totally revolutionize your life. God will make a new creation out of you. So God calls us to live honorably in a society, so don't feel like you can't. The Lord will help you to do that. He calls us to abstain from sin. He calls us to live a loving life. But He calls us also, as I talked with one of my sons today who called me, He calls us to live in light of His judgment. Every decision I make, and friends, I I don't necessarily go through this with every decision I make, but I realize that every decision I make, I have to make it in light of the fact that one day I will stand at the judgment seat of Christ to give an accounting for my life and how I've lived my life, how I've loved my wife and my children, how I've pastored this congregation, the kind of citizen that I've been in this community And so we live in light of God's judgment, and each of us will give an accounting for that. Now, I'm not saved by that. I'm saved by the grace of God, but I will have to give an accounting before the Lord one day. But I'm saved by the grace of God. I will have nothing to plead but Jesus and His righteousness. Peter's made this very clear. And I just want to be sure that my life and your life is lived in such a way that when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we hear Him say, well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well, how do we do this? Number one, live humbly before God. If you're filling in the blanks, live humbly before God. God hates spiritual pride. God hates arrogance within us, but He loves humility. And you know, we live in a can-do culture. When this thing first started, I was amazed at the amount of arrogance. Matter of fact, it even touched my heart. This is America. We can do anything. But if anything, this COVID-19 crisis has taught me, especially through friends and loved ones and members of this congregation, we need the Lord. America needs the Lord. Europe needs the Lord. China needs the Lord. Japan needs the Lord. Every man and woman in this world needs Jesus Christ. 
We need the grace and the mercy of God. You know, the Spanish influenza humbled this nation a number of years ago. And as people humbled themselves, a great revival broke out in the United States. Pearl Harbor humbled us when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor in the 40s. And yet people sought God and prayed. And even the grace of God to our Japanese friends has been shown as there's been great works that's been accomplished in the nation of Japan. And in China, how the church has grown. The civil rights movement humbled us. I was humbled as a, as a boy and as a young man watching the civil rights protest and learning. Watching one day as my dad got angry because uh, a, a, a service station attendant would not let a, black, a young black boy go into the bathroom to, to use the bathroom. And so his father shielded him behind some bushes so that he could relieve himself. Friends, the civil rights movement humbled us. And I'm so thankful that we're growing up in a, in a nation where we love one another, embrace one another. And yet those traces of sin are still there, just, we, just as we saw in the slaying of that young man in Brunswick, Georgia, as two men just chased him down in a pickup truck, all because of his color. Friends, black people don't need to apologize for being black. Chinese people don't need to apologize for being Chinese. Friends, we are created in the image of God, and I thank God for that each and every day, no matter where you're from or what, you're, what you've done in your life. So humble yourselves, Peter wrote in verse 6 of chapter 5, humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. There is a time that God will lift you up and lift us up together. Secondly, stay alert to the devil's schemes. That's the fill-in. Stay alert to the devil's schemes. What are his schemes? Well, gluttony, you know, we've seen that in the grocery stores where there's not enough food in the, in the shelves. There's not enough paper products on the shelves because people are afraid of scarcity and not having what they need. You know, the, the sins of pornography and lust and adultery in our nation today that are being celebrated, entire parades celebrated about it. Friends, the this, this spirit of greed and covetousness that there's just never enough the sorrow that has gripped people's hearts that caused them to turn away from God, the discouragement that says, I'm just going to give up. If you're in the place where you feel like giving up tonight, never, never give up. Let the words of Churchill to the British people ring out in your spirit tonight. Never give up. If you can stand the pull and God's going to pull you through, the anger in our nation that paralyzes some people it seems like we as a country are divided now between de Democrats and Republicans. This is the United States. America needs a revival again. And then the boastfulness that takes place. Friends, I have nothing to boast about except for Jesus Christ and His righteousness. And I'll tell you this. God bless America. I love our country. But America has nothing to boast about. We've had our own things that have humbled us and shamed us. Instead, we need to make our boast in the nation. The Bible says that the nation whose boast is in the Lord, the nation whose confidence is in the Lord, the nation who looks to the Lord, that's the nation that's going to be blessed. So I'm praying for a national-wide revival. And then pride. I think pride is a mental illness. And you're going by now, well, you just went through the, the, the vices that the Bible talks about. Well, of course, that's the devil's schemes. God helps us to see that. And you see, pride is that mental illness. Look at me. Well, if you're watching, you are looking at me, aren't you? Pride is that mental illness that says, I can do it without God. And there was a king in the Old Testament that we still talk about today. 
His city was known as one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. You can look it up in, uh, on the internet. You can look it up in Wikipedia, Britannica, the famous hanging gardens of Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar said in his pride, I have built this. And God humbled him. And he grazed like an animal in the fields for seven years. And he says, when my sanity was restored, I praised God. And the mark of a sane person is they worship God and they praise God. I am convinced that pride is a mental illness. And then I'll close with this tonight. As Peter has taught us, let's pray for the family of believers around the world. Let's intercede for them. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. The whole world is gripped in this crisis of the COVID-19 crisis. There are Christians and believers that are being persecuted for their faith tonight. There are some believers in our nation that are being persecuted. And so tonight, let's pray for them and never forget our mission statement. We celebrate God's love, not just by singing in this church. We celebrate God's love, not just by praying in our homes, but we celebrate God's love by persuading other people to become passionate followers of Christ. And how do we do that? Love serves, love goes, love, love sacrifices, love prays, and love doesn't give up in the time of suffering. Well, that kind of sums up what the whole book of 1 Peter is all about. And I hope you'll join me with me in prayer. I hope that you'll just agree with me in prayer right now, especially if you've never committed your heart to Christ. You've listened for a reason tonight, and you're still here for a reason tonight. And I want you to, to give your life to Jesus Christ. And I hope you'll let me know. If, you, if you're not comfortable letting me know on Facebook, then send me a message. Send it to, to, to office at woodland.church and just, you know, address it to me. I want to pray for you. I have some things I want to send you. And those of you that are watching that you are followers of Christ, Wayne, you're sitting there. Agree with me in prayer right now. Father, thank you for this wonderful time that we've had together to study your word. And thank you for I have sensed, Lord, the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's not been about goosebumps or anything like that, but I've just sensed your presence and your spirit and that there's someone listening tonight, Lord, that just is ready and they need to commit their life to you. I pray that you'll help them to have understood in this message how much you love them you stop whatever you're doing to listen to them pray. You listen to us pray now. You sent your son, Jesus Christ, to love them. And Lord, there are people like myself that even though we don't know them, we love them. And that's why we're here tonight online sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray that you'll help them just to pray this prayer with me. And if you're, if you're ready to do that, just pray this prayer with me right now. Say, Heavenly Father, that's how God teaches us to pray to him. Heavenly Father, thank you for showing me your great love. I believe that what Jesus Christ did for me was so that I could be forgiven of my sins, have a fresh start in life, become a brand new creation. And I don't understand it all, but as much as I know how, I give my life to you tonight, Jesus Christ. I love you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. So if you prayed that tonight, friend, please send me a message. 
Uh, you can let us know right there on Facebook, or you can send me a message to office at woodland.church. I promise you I'll respond to you. I will email you personally and co- connect with you in any way that we can to serve you. I have some things I'd love to send you to help you get started. And if you're listening tonight and, and you can, please be sure that you go to either our website, www.woodland.church. That's all you need. Click the tab that says Give or text 77977 uh, to text this keyword, Woodland Church. No spaces, one word, Woodland Church to 77977, and you can give right there, or of course you can mail it in. Thank you so much for your faithfulness and your generosity. It's been a joy for me to come and share with you tonight. Don't forget, next Wednesday night, Pastor Rick will be speaking, and then Sunday morning, I'm going to talk about how to hear the voice of God. You don't want to miss that. So join me Sunday morning. God bless you. I love you.